Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for this week's interview classic, where Wade Keller interviews one of pro wrestling's newsmakers. Ten years ago this week, I interviewed Matt Morgan, and it is today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, ten years ago interview classic. For Thursday, February 29th, 2024, leap year. In this interview from February 28th, 2014, Matt Morgan, a former top wrestler with TNA and also a Tough Enough alum and WWE wrestler, talked about his memories in WWE and TNA. He talked about why he decided to retire. He also gave his thoughts on the CM Punk WWE situation with Punk walking out or quitting WWE. His thoughts on future WWE stars, including Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Cesaro. Also, plans for him and Hulk Hogan and TNA had he not left and much more with live calls and email questions scattered throughout. So let's get to it. This is today's 10 Years Ago Interview Classic on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the PW Torch Livecast. This is PWTorch.com editor Wade Keller. And it is Friday, February 28th, 2014. And because it is Friday, that means it is Interview Friday. And uh, we are very pleased to announce that today's guest is a return guest who has been on for, for a while. And that is uh, Matt Morgan. Matt, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back on, man. My honor. I'm glad to be back. It's my honor to be back and uh, excited to have another try to top the last show we had. Excellent. Um, those who aren't, aren't following the, uh, my life, I, I've been sick all week with flu, still, uh, still under the weather, so I'm coming out of my sick cave to uh, interview Matt today, but I want to thank everybody, especially James Caldwell, who stepped up and filled in for me this week on uh, Tuesday, and then I was supposed to be healthy by, th- by Thursday, um, and, uh, and I wasn't, and so um, here I am, toughing it out. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, I'm not exactly doing construction work or anything like that, but nevertheless... Um, I'm sitting here uh, wrapped in a blanket at my uh, in my home office uh, doing today's interview. So I'm probably going to be less coherent than usual and um, probably have uh, uh, more what I'm doing right now, which is losing my train of thought and rambling. So I apologize in advance for all of that, uh, but I do want to encourage people to call up. We uh, want, Matt is here to talk about his career. Uh, Matt, you announced your uh, retirement from professional wrestling, which we'll get into uh, earlier this year. You did that exclusively over at ProWrestling.net with Jason Powell. And uh, also, we want to talk current events. Uh, just such a big week, um, including Monday's Raw, the big Raw in Chicago. How will fans react to the absence of uh, CM Punk? We'll talk to Matt about the WrestleMania lineup. All kinds of good stuff. Does that sound good, Matt? Absolutely, sure. Excellent. Well, Matt, first, um, the biggest happening in your life uh, this year was not retiring from active professional wrestling. Why don't you tell our listeners what the biggest event in your life was? <laughs> the biggest event in my life, uh, easily, is uh, the birth of my son, Jackson. Um, you know, most people, not most, but most fans that uh, follow me know my story. But basically, Cliff Notes version is, uh, you know, me and my wife for years have, uh, you know, struggled to have, uh, have children. Uh, we've gone every route one can even imagine. I mean, we've gone... We spent over hundreds of thousands of dollars through IVF to no avail. We've done everything. We were three weeks away from adoption after trying for about 10 years. So we're like on year 11 now we're, we're talking here. And not necessarily giving up, but, you know, getting older and going, you know, we really want this child. So we were looking at adoption and um, three weeks away from it, actually. 
And um, lo and behold, she was pregnant. And uh, naturally at that, which was really a, a huge shocker just because we were told for so many years, you know, on both of our ends, it just wasn't something that could happen. You know, less than 1% chance of having a child. So, you know, just blown away by that. And uh, once we found out she was pregnant, it really started to fast forward my thought process on the rest of my life, on what I want, what I truly wanted out of my life. And more importantly, what I wanted um, out of my life as far as being a father and a good father at that, a present father. And, uh, you know, my father was around my whole life, and God knows where I'd be if he, if he wasn't home, you know, as much as he was. And this is a guy that put himself through night school, you know what I mean? Worked two jobs, put himself through night school, moved us from a small place in Newark, New Jersey, all the way out to beautiful Fairfield, Connecticut, a nice suburb, where we pretty much had everything as kids, you know, all to my father sacrificing. And, uh, but as far as raising us, he, he, he did right by all of us. And, uh, you know, that said, I had a really good example set for me. So on the true measure of a man, you know. So um, with that, I wanted nothing less for my son, obviously. So it was a really tough decision as far as leaving wrestling, but I thought it would be a lot tougher, to be quite honest. I thought it would be because it's something I put so many years behind and so much time and energy, you know, heartache and pain and great times and bad, all that stuff. You know, I put a lot into it. So you'd figure it'd be a tougher decision. And um, once once he was actually born, it, re- it really, really was. It was the right decision to make as far as leaving wrestling, or as you say, active wrestling. Um, you know, I'll do the I'll do the independent show here and there. Um, you know, if there was a wrestling company out there that would, you know, uh, let a guy wrestle once every thing, you know, once in a while, I'd be all over it. But that's just not a common, that's just not something that's going to be out there for me, obviously. I'm a guy that would have to work three to five days a week, pretty much, to make the right kind of living that my family would need. So uh, that's just something I couldn't do. I, I honestly don't think I could do that and be the best father that I know I could be. You know, so um, it's just weird how it, uh, you're a father, so you know what I'm saying. It really puts things in perspective, and you hear a lot of people say that, but until it eventually happens for you, it really is mind-blowing on what a cool experience it is and how proud you are to be that father, and really, it just it, everything else just really seems to drift to the wayside as far as importance is concerned. You know, wrestling was something that was very important to me, and it ran my life for very many years, and that's just because of how I am. Anything I do... I have like an OCD thing with, I have to put like a thousand percent of myself into it, whatever it is that I'm doing. It could be anything. And um, wrestling was no different in that event. So, you know, now that I'm a father, I'm going to put everything I have into being the best dad I could be and being home, you know, trying to be home every single night that I can for him. I, I think about people like Ted DiBiase Jr., for instance, uh, who works who works so hard, the third-generation wrestler, yeah. Got some time on the main roster, and then just you know decided kind of sim- you know everybody's circumstances different, but decided he wanted to go get a job that was a little less uh, chaotic, unpredictable, political, whatever, and and right. just land somewhere in the so-called real world. And I I, I admire that, and I think and I, I like I just think it's it's a uh, it's the right choice for uh, certain people, but I also think. It has to be tough to work so hard, like you and Ted and so many other wrestlers do, at getting re- really good at something that's really difficult. And to feel like, in your case, I-, I bet you felt like you were as good as you had ever been the last couple of years and really ready to make money for somebody. And how, how tough is that to walk away from 
you know, so many years of, of getting better and being so focused on one thing because the, I, I bet, you know, I mean, there's certain things in wrestling in terms of, you know, discipline and physical fitness you can take with you, but for the most part, I, 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 I don't think I'm stretching it to say learning how to take a flat back bump or give a big boot to a face doesn't come in very handy in, in many other jobs. <laughs> I know it does. It definitely does it. But um, <laughs> that'd be funny if, I, if it did. But no, it. Uh, I, I'm I'm very 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 blessed, right? I was blessed with many different uh, attributes other than physical. Um, you know, I'm a guy that hit the hooks very hard. You know, uh, growing up with ADHD, I had to outwork other kids in school in order for me to pull off, let's say, getting honors, right? And you know, being, again, being told early on in my childhood that, you know, I'm going to be in, like, remedial classes, I'm going to be in resource room, and, uh, you know, be made fun of, you know, from first grade, I'd say, through fifth for having that issue, uh, having my learning disability. I learned to really what a true work ethic is, honestly. I had to outwork everybody, things that other kids that came to them naturally, um, you know, as far as learning and retaining information, I had to work a little bit harder. So early on, I really learned a strong work ethic as far as hitting books was concerned. And I never, from, from fifth grade on, got anything less than first honors just because, again, like I said earlier, anything I do, I do like a 1,000% in an OCD type of format where I become obsessed with whatever it is that I have. That, that's my goal, right? Whatever my goal is, I am obsessive about. You're on a so mission. I, yes, until I get it, and then once I get it, I keep it kind of thing and um, keep keep at it kind of thing. So that that was no different for me with, with schooling. And I, because of that, you know, I went on to college, graduated magna cum laude, so I always had good grades. And um, as far as coming out of school with, like, the, in the workforce, the real, the real workforce, not, not wrestling, you know, I was, like, three weeks away from taking a job with uh, Johnson & Johnson Pharmaceutical Company as a pharma rep with zero, pharma, you know, zero pharmacology background, nothing. But just based on, you know, they, 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 they generally look to have a good-looking guy that is intelligent, that can carry on the right conversation, and more important, to push the product. And um, that's generally what I was just weeks away from uh, beginning when I uh, – uh, met Vince McMahon at WWE headquarters and went on to uh, pursue professional wrestling really out of left field, you know. And um, so my point is is that I was blessed with other attributes that are non-wrestling related. I'm a smart guy that can go out into the real world and be very successful. I'm not just, you know, um, relying on my physical attributes. There's things that I, I can do in this world that have absolutely nothing to do with professional wrestling and take care of my family better, believe it or not, while I'm doing them. Now, I definitely do, I'm not going to lie, I definitely do miss my friends and, and, and some of the guys that, I, that I've had opportunities to work with over the years. You know, I still talk to them, but it's different than, you know, seeing them every week, obviously, now. That part of it sucks. But um, as far as and, and being in the ring, obviously, and you definitely get that itch as a wrestler. I think every wrestler would have that feeling once they leave. But, again, it, having a son changes it. It just changes a lot of your outlook. It really, really does. And whether, let's say I kept wrestling for another five years, seven years. So now I'm 40-something years old and now looking for a, a normal, real job. And you know what I'm saying? It's just much harder to get said job because now you're a little bit older and you need to be trained by whatever company decides to hire me, let's say. 
as far as, you know, because I'll always, I'll always be in sales of some sort. That's something I always really like doing and something I'm very good at. But whatever the product is, whatever the company is, they, they would have to retrain me. So um, that's not very attractive if you're a company, no matter how famous you get as a pro wrestler, bringing a guy in, let's say, at 44, whatever, 42 years old, you know, let's say it's seven or eight years from now, that's just not very attractive, and it's a, it's a harder hurdle to, to, to leap, if you will. Um, so I thought getting out at the time right now would be the smartest. Most importantly, gets me home every night with my kid. In your time, in your last months with TNA, or the last year or so, did you sense that other wrestlers are kind of looking at where TNA was, where their careers were, how WWE was looking at TNA talent, not as, you know, oh, we got to steal talent away from TNA, but instead looking at it as, yeah, if they're in TNA, we don't want to go after them. We're going to look into our developmental first before we even consider anybody in TNA. Did, did you get a sense that the locker room felt like, man, this is almost a dead-end job for a lot of us, and the morale was down a little bit or, or, or not? Was it, was it a different kind of mentality there? I never noticed that. Uh, I mean, whether that's true or not with guys in their own personal lives with how they were accepting circumstances, I, I wouldn't know that. That's something that you kind of kayfabe and, and I would imagine you wouldn't really throw that out there and be like, you know what I mean, publicly yeah. or even locker room. Like, yeah, yeah, it's great being here, but, you know, if you know, no one else really wants me, so no one's ever going to really admit that, I don't think. So uh, I wouldn't know the answer to that, but morale as a whole, I didn't, I didn't notice anything you know, crazily off or anything of that nature. I mean, you hear all these different rumors about the company and stuff, but while I was there, I really didn't pick up too much on that. It seemed like you actually were kind of the beginning of, it was, remember when you left, yeah, when you left TNA, it seemed like it was after that, that all of a sudden there were the budget cutbacks, talent cutbacks, the AJ Styles situation, um, yep. And it did seem like you were kind of right before TNA really tightened the belt and right. decided to take, you know, try to bring in new names that that had less experience, maybe would work for less money, but maybe had more upside or were less defined. Like you know, Devon Dudley, for instance. You know, they, let's get somebody in like Rockstar Spud and let's roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah, I mean that very well could be true. I just, I mean, as far as like WWE only using developmental talent, I definitely see why they do it. Um, no doubt. You know, they just put billions of dollars into a performance arts center, so of course yeah. you're going to want your return. But uh, yeah. that being said, I, I don't think it's intelligent. I think it's actually foolish to uh, turn your back, let's say, on anybody in any, in any shape or form. I don't care what they look like, even male, set, male, female, doesn't matter. If they can make you money, I don't care where they, they can come from Jupiter for all I care. If I'm in a wrestling company and this person can make me money, well, isn't the name of the game getting them under the same within your company so then they can then go ahead and advance and hope you make that money? Right. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I think that that's not that too smart in that, in that field. But, uh, you know, again, it's not my company. I don't know the inner dealings. All right, well, let's, uh, let's go to our first phone call here, and uh, I want to give the phone numbers out. Uh, you can get in line on the phone banks. The number is 646 721 9828. That is uh, 646-721-9828. I'm Wade Keller, joined by Matt Morgan, ex-full-time wrestler Matt Morgan. I do want to note that the PW Torch livecast is brought to you by Audible, a leading provider of spoken... Well, uh, anyway, the place to go, audibletrial.com slash prowrestlingtorch. Get a free book next time you have a cold, or even better, just do it today, even if you don't have a cold, and listen to it on your way to work when you're, uh, when you're tired of listening to me and Matt.
<laughs> All right. Uh, as promised, let's go to the phone banks. We'll uh, begin with VIP member John, uh, who is calling from area code 708. Uh, John, where are you from? Hello? Yep, yep, you're on, John. Hi, uh, Wade. It's good to talk to you. Um, I just want to know, uh, what is – I'm going to the show on uh, on Monday, and I just want to know what your reaction would be if you were in the building and, like, how you would – I'm sure there's going to be a lot of yay, uh, CM Punk chant, stuff like that. Like, do you think that's a good thing or bad thing? Like, what do you think about Yeah, that? no, good hot topic. Yeah, uh, John Cullen from 708 uh, in the home of Raw this coming Monday, Matt. Uh, we can use this as a, as a way to parlay into a discussion about CM Punk also, but... Um, what do you expect, Matt, following this weird CM Punk saga? Uh, I, I don't know that he's in the exact, you know, a, a similar situation to you. I think he left more out of professional frustration while making, you know, a good living full time, but really burned out and didn't see the chance necessarily to become a WrestleMania main eventer like was kind of the last goal that he had. Uh, your, your thoughts on CM Punk's decision to walk away? Do you think he'll be back? And then we'll uh, talk after that about this, this Monday in particular. I think God bless them. I, I think anybody that's got the balls to stand on their own as far as not letting the machine, not just WWE, but any company, it could be TNA, it could be any wrestling company, run their life. Because, see, that's something way that happened. I fell victim of it my first time when I ran WWE because I was so young and experienced and not really knowing who I was as a man in life. Let's say, yeah, I wasn't fully matured. It happens to all of us. We let this business dictate what, how our life and what direction our life goes in, let's say. So God bless anybody that's got the fortitude to be able to, you know, stand up and say, you know what, I've had enough, I'm good, um, see you later, <laughs> or whatever have you. You know what I mean? It doesn't make him any less passionate about what he does. It doesn't make him a bad person. It makes him a guy who actually gets it. He actually knows what he wants out of his life. And uh, very, very, very cool dude and refreshing to see more and more guys, you know, within the same, you know, the guys that I had started with, guys of my age bracket, I guess you would say, my yeah. generation, yep. being smart enough to, to to be able to do that and realize there are other outside things that they can do in life, not being stuck to pro wrestling if and when, you know, they feel that their time is up and they want to move on. With, uh, we've, I've heard some uh, comments, Steve Austin said it, Jim Ross said it, that, you know, you should never leave money on the table. You should never leave money on the table. And Punk walked out on the locker room. And, uh, and I know from talking to people in WWE, and you got that sense with uh, Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, and, and JBL with that little audio clip that came out from Raw a couple of weeks back where they were kind of mocking the fact that the CM Punk chants weren't lasting and Cole was saying, you know, go away, go away instead of CM Punk. There does seem to be a little bit of a backlash against him for the for one because they feel like he should have given notice, and there's probably all but two or three people in that company who would want the the, the push that CM Punk felt was not good enough for him. Does it surprise you at all that there seems to be a little bit of a backlash against Punk for the way that he left and the decision that he made? I, I saw the clip, and I didn't take that as them demeaning CM Punk when those fans were chanting that JBL and company and Cohen and King. I took that when I watched that as them just screwing around before the show, nothing better to do. You know, they're warming up kind of thing. They're not live yet. And uh, just screwing with the fans, if anything. Not, not, no way, shape, or form do I take that. I took that as a derogatory statement toward, let's say, CM Punk's overness or whatever the word would be. Um, I, as a fan, wouldn't have, I didn't take it as that. 
um, I just took it as them being annoyed with the fans for, for a few seconds kind of thing and just joking yeah. around about it, you know, versus not talking about it at, at all altogether. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, if that's the case, that, that's a shame because I, I think if that, that's what's happened in the locker room as far as, you know, a lot, a lot of people have to, I don't think you said turn their back, right, but just their, their stance on it's different. They feel let down, I guess you're saying. I think um, the feeling is that that punk, that punk left without giving notice. Right. And I, I mean, I, from what I've heard, a lot of the rest are just look at it as, "Hey, that's another spot for us to everybody right. move up a notch." That's exactly how I would have handled it. Yeah. I, I was on that roster. I'm like, sweet, cool. I got one more opportunity for me in the main event scenario. Yeah. I'll bust. Uh, ain't great. See you later. That, that's just the way I would look at it if I was a wrestler. You know, but. uh I don't know, man. Again, I just think you, you, at the end of the day, you do what's best for you. If that's what was best for him, how, how did you really heal him for that? Because yeah. he's got the ball to do what you don't have to do. What, what about uh, Ross and Austin and, and a few others who have said, you know, you never leave money on the table in pro wrestling. You never walk away for more money. I, I wrote a, a, a column in the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter a couple weeks back about that, just kind of making the case of, you know, life is not all about keeping score with making sure that you – maximize that you squeeze every dollar out of out of your rest out of your wrestling career sometimes there's more to life than than walking away and, and looking at you know five ten years down the line going oh if i had only been miserable for another year or two i could have more money so i could have a house with more rooms that are made visits more often than i do like you know or more cars than i'll ever have time to drive i i just think there comes a point where you do what's best for you and that's why i i like you say good for good for phil good for CM Punk for doing what he felt he needed to do. I don't think he walked out lightly. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not somebody who's just 100% worships at the altar of CM Punk. I think CM Punk, on a per- personal level, has, has maturity issues and, and is, you know, self-centered or, or you know, just, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, just social skills-wise, he's, diff- he's sometimes difficult to work with. And, and I've seen that and I've heard that. So I'm not, I'm not worshiping at the altar of CM Punk. Right. But... I just think if he needed to walk away, I don't think he did that lightly two months before WrestleMania. And I think everybody, including Ross and Austin, uh, should, should, make, should take that into consideration more than, oh, but he could have made a little bit more money had he you know, been miserable for two or three or four or five more months to see, out, to see out his contract. Final point, though, I do understand the criticism of he left with zero notice. But then we don't know what was said in that room with Vince McMahon. And did Vince tell Punk... If you need to leave, don't worry about two weeks. Uh, just leave. And Punk might have said, I want to get my two-week notice. I want to fulfill my dates. And Vince said, no, from what you've told me, you need time off. We'll manage without you. I don't know that that wasn't said, so I can't be critical of Punk for walking out without giving notice. Right, right. If that was on me, I would definitely, like with TNA, you, 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 talk, to your, you talk to the boss, and you come up with what is the best. So I, I have a completely different boss. I've got a boss that was with me every step of the way trying to have a kid to cry out loud. Yeah. You know exactly what me and my wife went through. She knows every step of the way. So she was ecstatic, A, that we were pregnant. But, yeah, let down that I wouldn't be working there any longer, obviously. But you know what? She understood what was best for me and my family. And it was a crappy phone call. You know, it was very, very emotional between both of us. It sucked. But it was something that, that, that needed to happen, let's say. But, like, with the CM Punk front, for instance, like, totally different totally different situation, obviously. Who's, I mean, to, to, to say you don't want money on the table, I understand that, and that's a very popular cliche and saying in wrestling, and it is. I fully understand that. But everybody's ticker is a little bit different. And in case anybody can't tell, his is very different. <laughs> as far as how he's, he's, he's a great example of 
a guy that, that plays for the love of the game, if you will. And that people might think that's silly or stupid or, or, oh, wow, he'll be broke for the rest of his life if a guy wants to get in wrestling just for the passion of professional wrestling. Well, she did. That's why he got in it. That's why he continued doing it. Doing it. And guess what? That guy actually went out and made a buttload of money doing it. And I think way more than he ever planned on making. Yeah. And I think I don't think he just made it, woke up on that day and said, that's it, I'm gone. I guarantee you he thought about this long and hard. I guarantee it. Yeah. And, um, when it, you know, it, it finally it was a straw that broke the camel's back. And it was like, I'm in a situation where the next thing that goes wrong goes wrong, I'm gone. And it went wrong, so he said, see you later. I mean, God bless him. Uh, John from Chicago, his original question, I wanted to kind of set the table with some discussion about Punk's decision to leave. Uh, but he wanted to know, what do we think about what the crowd chance will be on Monday? Obviously, Chicago is rabid for CM Punk. WWE's going to have a situation where they're trying to focus their efforts on promoting WrestleMania and the WWE Network, and they're going to have three hours of Raw where they thought they could center it on the CM Punk Triple H feud, and instead the crowd's going to be chanting for a guy who's not with the company anymore, probably for three straight hours. We'll see. Um, What are your thoughts on what's going to happen on Monday, and and is there anything that you think fans have a responsibility to do or not do as paying paying members of the audience when it comes to disrupting the show or showing support for Punk? You know what? Back when I first started, you know, as a, as a, as a baby face, and they're chanting, let's say, for the heel just to be jerks about it or what, just to go against the grain and try to rock what we were doing in the ring a little bit, that, that, that's a, that was a sign of immaturity, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you pay your own ticket. You can do whatever the hell you want. You should be able to go out there and chant, chant frigging Bugs Bunny if you want for 20 minutes. And no repercussions should come from it, or should you feel silly for doing it. You should be able to do whatever the hell you want as far as chanting goes. You know what I mean? We're the professionals in the ring that work around it. That's simple. But as I was taught very early on, you don't let the crowd dictate what you do in that ring. You know what I mean? We're the dictators. It's probably the wrong word, but we, we, don't, we don't let the fans control what we do. You're the conductor. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we have a story to go out there and tell and a lot of amount of time to do so. And it's very unprofessional and very, very green of you, which I did many times when I started, to allow that to rock what I did in the ring, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I come in the back, oh, what the hell was that? Chanting the freaking chant for the back. Well, that's what they pretty much probably wanted to do, and granted, they succeeded. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, once you get some time under your belt and you understand it a little bit better, and get way more mature about it, obviously, you see it is what it is. You're a fan as well. Who cares who, you, who they chant for? If they chant CM Punk for three hours, I think the more and more they make a big deal about, oh, my God, what are they, if, if I'm WWE, I'm not going to be sitting there going, oh, my God, what are they going to do? If they chant CM Punk for three hours, what, what can we do? You don't do anything. Just let them do it. Then it's over. Let it go. And, and it is kind of an era, too, where it's not like fans chanting CM Punk is going to be this, like, eye-opening moment for the majority of the fan base, and they're going to be like, wait, you know, why isn't CM Punk coming out? You know, in the age of the Internet, I mean, I wouldn't say within 48 hours everybody knows, but by now, if you're watching Raw, you probably have picked up on the fact that Punk's not there, and they're in Chicago, and the fans love Punk. But I'm curious if the announcers acknowledge it or just ignore it. We've seen Randy Orton and Batista get a little peeved about it. I'm curious if WWE tries to parlay it in any way, into, you know, kind of steer the enthusiasm for punk into something else, and I'm not sure what that would be. I'm, I'm intrigued for that reason. I, I agree that the wrestlers should go out and do what they're supposed to do, but I wonder if part of what they're going to be instructed to do is, if, especially if you're, whether it's Triple H or Daniel Bryan or Batista or Orton, 
or FINA for that matter, acknowledge it and try to own it and steer it in a way that's productive. If it's in a, if, let me tell you something. If, 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 if that's what they're allowed to go do, because there might be a company mandated meeting where, you know, where, where they have like a little pregame talk, if you will. They used to do it all the time when I was on SmackDown. We used to have it like every single week before TV, but I'm not sure if they still do that. But let's say they do. I mean, I could very easily see them saying, you know, go out there and perform your matches, guys. Don't worry about what the fans are chanting and all that other stuff. Just go out there and do what you're paying paid to do and let us worry about it. Or, or, them giving the permission to a Cena or a Triple H to say, look, if it's unbearable and they just won't shut up or sit down, then, you know, hey, if it fits to what you're doing, the story you're trying to tell, then throw, you know, then, then ad-lib off of it if you, if you feel it can help generate money of some sort towards your program, because that's all anybody should be focused on. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fast. It's going to be a fascinating show, though. I mean, I've had this date circled for a while. I had last Monday circled because of the launch of the network. But as soon as CM Punk walked out and it didn't look like he was coming back, uh, Monday was a big deal. Now, if they worked out a deal for Punk to come back, um, or somewhere along the line they took this real life issue where Punk needed to step away and found a way to talk him into coming back, um, then Monday will be when he shows up. You know, he's not, they're not going to wait a week. So I think if Punk doesn't show up, Matt, on Monday, that means he won't be at WrestleMania. But I think there's, you know, a 5, 10, 15% chance, at least, that he shows up on Monday. I don't think it's a lot greater than that. How, what's your feel on it? I think it would be enormous. I think that would be huge if he, if he shows up. That being said, who is he working at WrestleMania, though, if he does? And all the matches, are, I mean, Triple H is now taking on Daniel Bryan. Yeah. So, so where, where, does he, where do they book him? Where does he, where does he go again? Well, that's the thing. I don't know how they would how they would squeeze. They could squeeze him into an Orton Batista match to give him the main event he wants, um, but I don't know how they could possibly make that work. Right. You know, I think the storyline in order to to make that happen would be so a, such such a stretch. Um, right. It really so, would. And also, really quick, let me tell the fans yeah. listening. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I'd love to see the guy back on the show too. But Chan CM Punk is not going to change it and have him, he's not going to miraculously show up. So if some of the guys, the fans decide to start chanting that, thinking, oh, this will show the higher-ups, the higher-ups already get it. He's uber over. He's a huge star for them who's made them billions of dollars. They get it. Trust me. They understand it. They, they get it. You can it is not going to change that. But that's a hell of a point because the situation with Punk is different than some others in that they didn't send him away they didn't, they didn't not, like the idea that, oh, they didn't appreciate him and push him enough. It's like, you know, that's a, that's a somewhat debatable point. You could say, no, Punk should have been the headliner, not Cena. Okay, well, I can make an, I, I, I understand that sentiment from an, from an individual fan, but I ask those fans, if, if your money was on the line and I show you all these statistics, are you sure that you're going to put your financial future in Punk's hands instead of Cena's, given the totality of what Cena's proven to be as a draw? You know, it's, it's, right. I, you at least have to understand management not saying, yep, the Cena era is over, let's make it the Punk era. Just because you are more of a CM Punk fan doesn't mean you can blame management for doing what they think is a calculated, smart business move to stay with Cena. So I, my larger point is Punk walked out. Punk walked out because he was burned out, not because he was being terribly abused. He was booked and scheduled to be in a top three or four match at WrestleMania against Triple H, which was a major storyline. So, now, granted, Punk may not have liked how that story was going to be told or the fact that with his contract running out, he probably would do the job and all that, but 
I, I just don't think fans can look at management, uh, the company, WWE, and Chance CM Punk as some sort of protest. I think more it's right. a way to show appreciation for what Punk, how Punk entertained them over the years. But let's be honest, that's not what that chant would be. That's not, we know both well that's not exactly what that chant would mean. Maybe yeah. 20 guys doing it are, but the majority of those loud chants, if it takes off like it will, it definitely will take off, obviously. The whole arena will be chanting, I'm guessing. Those, all those fans don't get it. They're not going to be chanting it for that reason, in my opinion. They're going to be yeah. chanting it, can F you to the office. And it's like, yeah. they did nothing really wrong here. Yeah. And in, in, in that aspect, he's not. they're not the reason he's not there. Yeah. Because he, you know, he decided to move on. And like I said before, God bless him for knowing what's best for his own life and, and handling it versus doing something he doesn't want to do anymore. But also I was going to say real quick is, if I had it my way, I would, if I, if I, I would put CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan out there. That would be my main event. And I would have all those guys, because you have a John Cena, he's still on the poster. You still have Batista. You put him on the poster. You put Lesnar and Taker. All those huge stars on the poster, they're still going to get the same buy rates, Wade. They still would, but now guess what else you're doing? You're, 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 you're upping the importance of your younger stars for tomorrow and a Daniel Bryan for the next five-plus years by having him go out there and headline over those guys. Yep, yep. Very good. Our phone number here is uh, 646-721-9828. I'll say that slower because I get mad on radio when they say the number so quickly. 646-721-9828. That is if you want to talk to Matt Morgan, today's guest on the PW Torch Livecast. It is Friday, February 28, 2014. I'm Wade Keller at pwtorch.com slash govip. Back to the phone lines. Let's go next to area code uh, 609. Uh, 609, please state your name and where you're from. Hey, this is Demetrius from New Jersey. Remember me, Matt? The Matrix? <laughs> of course I remember you, Demetrius. What's up, Matrix? <laughs> What's up? Um, no one, no one I want to say is um, the fact that you ran into overtime. That I suppose, myself, a 17-year-old suffering from ADHD, uh, I think the fact you managed to overcome it is pretty inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so my question is, like, if other than working with Undertaker at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would you, like, if you would turn to WWE, what, who would you want to work with? Because uh, personally, I would love to see you work match with Daniel Bryan. I could, I think you, you two probably could have put on a pretty good match. And kind of leads me in my second question: Do you think that if now you would still be able to lift up the big shelf for an F five? And uh, that's it for me today. <laughs> uh, thanks for calling, Demetrius. Um, I definitely would love to work Daniel Bryan. I would be, I would love that. Um, I have always had better matches versus smaller opponents. It's, it's always been a, a, I don't want to say an easier story for me to tell, but definitely one that I'm suited to tell, if you will, or play my, my role in in that story. Um, but uh, plus he is super duper over and really, really good at what he does and very creative. Um, he doesn't just keep doing the same things, which a lot of stars fall into the habit of doing once they tell you, you know, Jim Ross used to tell us um, when I first started, you know, pick five or six things that you can do well and, and, and pick five or six things and do them really well. And uh, you'll have your set of offensive moves. The fans can almost predict when you'll do it. And while that's good, it definitely is because it gives the fans 
you don't want to say predictability. That's that's a negative word, a uh, negative connotation when I'm describing this. But it's it's something that fans can expect and pay money for to come to see. Like Hulk Hogan, he would hook up. He would punch the guy in the face a few times. He'd shoot him off the off the ropes. He'd give him the big boot. You knew the leg drop was coming. You knew all that was going to come in the exact cadence that it always happens in. But yet we still pay money to see it happen. Um, so it's a good point made by Jr. when he's t- teaching a bunch of rookies on what we should be doing. Daniel Bryan, my point is, is uh, he finds new and creative ways to do those five or six set moves really well, and how he places it in his match. He doesn't always do them all every match, you know, but he, he's very good psychology-wise of placing them at the most opportune time of their story of what they're trying to tell in that ring at that moment. He, that's why I'd love to work him. He'd be great to work creatively with. But um, um, what was the other question, the last part? Um, see if you would be able to still pick up the big show, like for an F5. <laughs> oh, good question. Good, hell of a question. I was a hell of a lot stronger than now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. It's just a fireman's carry. It's not like I'm press slamming the guy over my head, you know what I mean? He's an enormous wrestler, let me tell you that. He's every bit of 500 pounds or whatever he's billed at, absolutely. But uh, definitely, yes. Demetrius, appreciate the call. No problem. All right, cool. All right, let's move on now uh, to air code 773. On deck is 832. If you want to give us a call, by the way, the number is 646-721-9828. 646-721-9828. Matt Morgan is my guest today on the PW Torch Livecast. You can find our show at pwtorchlivecast.com. You can listen live or listen on demand to archive shows at that URL. You can also find links to our RSS feed so you can sync us with your iPhone audio app or with iTunes or just listen and stream from your web browser at pwtorchlivecast.com. 773, thanks for holding. Please state your name and where you're from. Boris from Chicago. Hey, Boris, what have you got for Matt today? Uh, I didn't know you actually didn't have to rush back. You could have continued to nurse, you know, himself back to health. You know, James was taking care. Of, you know, he was helping out real good. And uh, congratulations, <laughs> congratulations, Matt, on 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 um, your, your, you and your wife. And uh, I, I want to say um, thank you for your refreshing take on CM Punk leaving the business and. How you know things? You know I like your perspective on it, and I have a question for you. Uh, what do you? What do you? I want your perspective on how um, Danny Bryan's journey um, has been handled from Survivor Series to now, and how the fans reacted. That's a oof. that's a good one. That's a good question because I, I believe. Last time I was on, I was, you know, telling Wade and everybody to just let the story play out. I think it was at the time where Daniel Bryan kept getting pretty much buried every every single show. And I was like, just let it play out. He's playing the underdog role. Watch. It'll, he'll get his triumphant, you know, he'll climb that mountain. And you'll say, you don't mean that much more once he does. But I think what they did is they jeopardized losing a lot of viewers because of they never gave him the ending of that story. And correct me if I'm wrong, we're only getting that ending of the story now is because CM Punk walked out. So I don't don't know what they were going to do originally with Daniel Bryan had CM Punk stuck around and worked Triple H at WrestleMania. Who's to say what would have happened? That weird Uh, Ray Wyatt storyline might be still going on. Oh, 
good lord! And not that we're doing either of them a favor. We, Bray Wyatt's story, his his his, his uh, entire angle and his entire character is awesome, by the way. But uh, that said, that would not have helped him, and that definitely would have helped Daniel Bryan. Either. That was that was just not that was horrific. And God bless him for pulling you know the the, the emergency button on that altogether. But back to your question, I just I, I, you know I was all for it. You know, let Daniel Bryan keep suffering, keep suffering, and then you know eventually he'll climb that mountain. But it just wasn't going to happen. It, it seemed like you know so. I didn't think they did a great job. I think they could do so much more with him. I've never seen such an organic reaction in all my life. I can't even imagine what it must have sounded like in that arena the night you're sitting on top of the cage, you know, with that entire arena, like in unison, in slow motion chanting, yes. They weren't even doing, like, the normal fast yeses, you know what I mean? They were doing it literally with him as he was doing it. And he purposely, you could see, was doing it so... You know, in a way, just to look back at the, you know, look back at the office, going, yeah, that's right, motherfuckers, um, I'm over. Um, <laughs> so, like, God bless him because he's got the most patience on the planet for dealing with this. Because most of us, we probably would have gone berserk by now. Um, because the, the actual gauge of if a guy is over, last time I checked, is the paying fan, the, the, the people in the arena chanting or booing, right? So, I mean, I don't know what else they needed out of him to. To, to do more, to, to be able to um, book him properly, you know, and who's to say, well, who's to say what's booking who is correct or, or properly or not, right? But uh, I think it's with him, it is extremely obvious what you do with him. I don't think it's it's some like some difficult type storyline you have to build up around him. It's pretty basic. Everybody in America loves this guy. Let him do what he does. Stop frigging, you know, holding him down. Well, I was there on Sunday for Elimination Chamber, and it was it was amazing. I mean, I the, I'm not saying that it was more than Stone Cold Steve Austin during the Monday Night Wars, but it's in that next category in terms of the passionate support for right. him. And and it was it was at an amazing level. And and it is they they have something there. They don't know what to do with it, and because it's an uncon, you know Brian's an unconventional character to get over like he has, but. They have left money on the table, and now without CM Punk, you know, it might help them focus more on Daniel Bryan because they're not kind of splitting yeah. the so-called hardcore favorite push to two different guys. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you know what, Wade, in, in his defense, these day and age, the fans are a hell of a lot smarter. I'm not saying they weren't smarter back in Stone Cold there because they were, in his generation because they were, but nowhere near as smart as they are now. To make a fan chant today – and not and not have it be like a joking chant, if you will, or, or a screwing around chant just to entertain themselves as the audience. Okay, it's not easy. It's not an easy task. And um, to to be as over as he is right now, this minute, is is very very remarkable. It's very very cool to watch too. It's a hell of a lot harder, in my opinion. It's been a fun story the last year. I mean, it was just really a last summer that he really broke out on those matches with the Shield, and it, it's been special. All right, let's go to our next call here. If you want to get in line, 646-721-9828. If you're shy or unable to get to a phone, but you want to ask a question by email, that email address is pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com. Let's go to uh, 832, and then on deck is 601. 832, please state your name and where you're from. Uh, I'm Eric from Houston. Hey, Eric, thanks for calling. What have you got for uh, Matt today? Oh, I got I got one comment and a couple of questions. So, um, man, Morgan, I, I I loved you, man. You were great when you was at TNA, man. You really turned the face of TNA around. Too bad you're not. You know, I'm glad you retired. I got 
kudos for you and good luck for you, you know, and good luck on you, you know, with, with you being a father. And I, I'm proud of you. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah. First, my my first question is with the WWE. Um, everybody, you know, I know Dan Bryan being over and everything. So, so what they, so I, I feel they trying to since they lost the Punk, now they're trying to see the what they're gonna do with, with Cesaro or Antonio Cesaro, which he he really stepped it up. Whether he's gonna still be with the with the uh, Real Americans or they gonna branch him off and turn face and be that big man event push that he he will be. I think he's and the second question is is dealing with TNA. Uh, I'm sad you know you're not in TNA anymore, but I I'm beginning to like TNA now. Are they gonna really give? Really gonna make them? Really gonna mend their mistake with Small Joe, or are they gonna let keep keep Magnus having the belt and giving that push? Well, I'll answer your second question first because it's easier. I'm very biased. Uh, I'm 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 friends with both guys, but that being said, I, I think Magnus is a hell of a champion. I think he's a great example of giving a younger guy an opportunity and the right opportunity, most importantly, at the right time. The company was at a very pivotal pivotal moment in their direction. And because of that, I think he got some flack because of so many guys maybe leaving the company and then a bunch of new ones being brought in, if you will, and it makes people get nervous. When change happens, it just makes wrestling fans nervous, and wrestlers, for that matter, nervous. You know, when someone comes new and there's a new booker, it makes the wrestlers nervous. That's just natural. But uh, that being said, I think they, made, they they hit a home run with Magnus. I think he's a great champion. I think he's an awesome promo. I think he's improved leaps and bounds in the ring. The aptitude he has shown is sec- is really second to none. His his aptitude does not get enough credit, in my opinion. His athletic aptitude and how far he's come. I worked him in his first match at a show in, in the UK. And it was billed as Gladiator versus Gladiator, and it was just. It just wasn't as good as it, should, as, as, it, as it would be now if we were to work. And uh, he's just come so far, and I'm proud of him. And I think it'd be foolish to take the title off of him. Samoa Joe is mad over. He's always going to beat over. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Magnus, I think it works both ways. I think, A, he needs the title, and, B, he actually helps increase the interest in that storyline because, again, how bad, what would happen if he loses the title? How effective then is that stable that they have? You see what I'm saying? So the title needs to stay in that stable. Your your first question, um, what was it about WWE? Sorry. I was it about uh, was it Jack Swagger? Let me bring Eric back on. Oh no no I got it. Cesaro. Cesaro yeah of course yeah. Cesaro. Um, I think he's gone. I think he'll be babyface like tomorrow. Like yeah that's done. That's that's done. But you know what? That begs the question. I'm not saying he had it easy, because he definitely didn't. He's busted his ass over the years, and he's a top-notch performer and a hell of a great athlete. A hell of an athlete doesn't even do him justice. But that being said, like Daniel Bryan, again, has had these same type of reactions times 50. You know what I'm saying? And for whatever reason, it just goes to show you, and this is what I've said from day one, and this is a fact. It just is. In, this, in professional wrestling, this is a fact what I'm about to say next. You can be as over as you want. If somebody in that office doesn't want you to be over, if somebody in that office doesn't want you to be a main eventer, even though you have all the qualities of one, it doesn't matter. It won't happen. Everything has got to align itself properly. It's not about just anymore going out and garnering the best reaction and wrestling the best matches and cutting the best promos. The last part of that formula has to be 
you have to have someone in power that wants you to be over or be a main eventer for that to happen. And obviously Cesaro has that. There's no doubt about that. And he deserves it because he's awesome. It's not like he's like, it's not like he's not a good wrestler, and it's not like that he's not over, and it's not like he's not fantastic at everything he's been doing. He's a great storyteller, and he's very innovative at that. But, um, again, as it begs the question of, of, you know, obviously someone didn't have the same kind of, uh, um, what's the word? No, nobody had Daniel Bryan's back like that is all I'm saying along his, his uh, rise. Yeah, yep. Uh, what about uh, Roman Reigns, another top prospect on the rise? He got, on Sunday night, a great reaction. I was there at Elimination Chamber, and the Danny Bryan reaction was great. The reaction to the Shield and the Wyatt family in general was great. But I really noticed that a, a certain type of fan, I think, attended that show Sunday who I had not seen at, say, a John Cena headline house show uh, you know, two years earlier. And, and Roman Reigns, I think, is in the Shield in general and the Wyatt's and Cesaro, for that matter, they're all part of it. But Roman Reigns, Matt, seems to have a certain, it's an overused phrase, but a certain X factor that I think will appeal to a similar crowd as kind of a mix between Steve Austin and CM Punk. And and what I mean by that isn't to compare him specifically to those wrestlers, but he's the type of wrestler who, if you're watching him on TV and your old college buddies come over and drop by, you're not embarrassed to still be watching WWE where you might be if it's John Cena, for instance, or even Daniel Bryan, you know, with a goat face and the yes, yes. Like Roman Reigns brings kind of a cool factor that the NWO, that uh, Diesel had or that Hall and Nash had, that Austin had, that Punk had. And that's tough to find somebody with that cool factor. So I'm starting to warm up to him, and I think he's showing – well, I always have been, but I'm starting to think he's proving himself – more and more as time goes on, that he might have that it factor. He still has a lot to prove, but Sunday, I sense that, that he's on his way. Definitely. I still think Dean Ambrose is the gem of that, that bunch. That's just my opinion. Yep. Well, um, that's not a bad choice either. It's a good choice to have. It, they've not even scratched the surface. Fans, the WWE fans, the WWE Universe, has not, have not even seen what he's really capable of yet as far as the promo is concerned. He's going to be the best promo in this business once he's done with the Shield stuff. I mark my words that I said it today. Watch. But anyways, um, with Roman Reigns, everything you just said, you hit the nail on the head. I think you meant to say the Steve Austin fans and the Stan Punk fans, meaning as far as you get a legitimate, he looks like a legitimate badass. He comes across like a legitimate badass, which is even more important. You can look like a badass all you want, but if you don't have the things about you, whether your voice, your look, your demeanor, your facials, your body language, how you work in that ring, yeah. none of that means a damn thing. But he's got it all down, and he's, he's solid in the ring. It's not like he sucks in the ring or something. He's just like a body guy. He, he's very impressive in the ring. The pressure's on. A lot of people have high hopes for him. All right, let's go next to area code 601 and then on deck 609 and 310. Uh, 601, please state your name and where you're from. This is Sergeant Kevin Robinson from Jackson, Mississippi. How y'all guys doing today? Doing good, Sarge. What do you got for us today? What do you got for, for uh, Matt? Two quick things. Uh, Matt, thanks. A couple years ago, I met you. came to a house show in Jackson. I'm going to tell you how old it was. You took on and beat Matt Hardy with the carbon footprint. We met you backstage. You gave my wife a photo. She still gives me about it to this day. Love that cool. TNA experience. And number two, I wish you would have had a run with the world uh, belt. I mean, excuse me, title, not belt. I'm so sorry. And uh, good luck in your future. And that's all I have. Uh, 
I appreciate that call, man. I really, really do. That's cool to hear from a fan that's been to the show I've been at and met in person. That's always cool to hear. I appreciate you making the call and taking your time to do so. But I agree with you. Definitely would like to have been a world champion. Definitely. Who the hell wouldn't, right? <laughs> And, and, Sarge, we're not uh, WWE. We do not fine you for calling it a belt instead of a title or a championship. And I think championship is actually what you're supposed to call it if you're talking on WWE TV. So we're fine with any of those phrases. You can call it a strap if you want, like Tony Schiavone always did, which drove a lot of people mad. All right, let's go to uh, 609 next. 609, please state your name and where you're from. Hey, it's Lewis from New Jersey again. Hey, what, what do you got for uh, Matt today? Hey, okay, well, I have, um, like, I guess three quick questions, but um, do you want me to ask them all at the same time or one at a time? Yeah, go go do all three. I'll take notes. Okay, cool. All right, well, you guys just talked about Roman Reigns, and for me, I, I, I personally, as a fan, I mean, 28, been a fan 25 years, I want to start liking this guy, but I'll be honest, from my perspective, I want I want uh, Matt Morgan, I want, I want you to try to, like, just educate me from a wrestler's standpoint, like, what what it is that you like about him. Because from my perspective, yes, I know he's doing the Shield thing right now. But in my opinion, I feel like he's wrestling more. He's only, like, six foot one, and he's wrestling as if, like, he's the big show. You know what I mean? So from my perspective, I personally... And I don't know, I just, I feel like there's a disconnect there. But again, I'm not a wrestler, so I just want to, I mean, I could start with that. Oh, I'm sorry, wait, I know you said all three. You want me to continue? Yeah, go ahead and continue, because then we can put you on hold and we okay. won't have any background noise. Okay, my bad. And then after that, um, during the Goldberg era, because I know that you were there for that, I just want to know how much he, okay, how was his interaction uh, with, you know, with you guys and you guys coming up at that time? And then basically, how was... You know, did he have any heat backstage? Because I heard that he was always complaining that, you know, he wouldn't get to the top. You know, so I want to know from another big guy's perspective how if there was any heat. And the last question is, when you were in WWE, who was your main agent that I know it was it probably varied, but, like, who was the main agent that worked with you? And did they pretty much want you to stick to a big man style? And did you get any, like, heat if you um, – you know, work like little guy moves, quote unquote. All right, and that's pretty much it, Wade. You can mute me. All right, can I answer these? Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, we're ready. First one, Roman Reigns. That caller just hit the nail on the head, by the way. Uh, let's disconnect with Roman. That was something that I, as well, when I watched the show, and I thought maybe I had it just because I'm 6'11, I'm 300 plus pounds, let's say and maybe I was looking at it the wrong way. But I have that same disconnect to a degree because my worry for Roman Reigns was they're booking him as this ferocious monster who's, who looks huge next to his other two partners. But he, when you see him in the ring with a Batista, did you see what I'm saying? He's getting that Batista, I don't want to say Batista pop because he's definitely not getting a pop nowadays, but that, that, that freak of nature, caged animal, that super-duper strong type of reaction that the Goldbergs, the Batistas, the, 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 those type of guys got as far as being a physical you know, anomaly, if you will. And um, you know what I'm saying? With that, like, I agree with that caller to a degree. There is a certain disconnect once he's in there and he's in with a Batista or a Cena even for that matter. 
um, who, who, who are much bigger than him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it will be very, very um, important to see over time what does he do to change his game to fit. He's still growing. He's still learning, obviously. So he's still going to keep trying through, through trial and error to see what works for him as far as what he does in that ring that separates him. Because if they just book him as another big guy, I don't think that that's where the money in him all the way will be. Do you know what I'm saying? Stone Cold wasn't a big jacked up dude, but he had a believability to him that was just enormous as far as screaming badass, you know? You just believe Stone Cold could kick the hell out of somebody in real life. He just did. And it was believable, and it was real. And I think Roman Reigns is on that same path to a degree, but I think size-wise they have to be very careful with, with, with how they present him as just being this unstoppable monster because anytime you use those phrases, monster, freak, you, you think of big guys. You just do. I know I do. And um, size-wise, I don't see that in him. I don't. I, I, I think he's got some cool things that he does. That Superman punch is awesome. Everything he does in that ring is pretty much, um, I don't want to say spotless, but, I mean, he's not easy to see if you like a lot of guys that would be getting the same push early on in their career. His aptitude is definitely there. You can see it. And yeah. I think that's more to the booking than it is him. He can't grow four inches. He can't put on 80 pounds on Sunday tomorrow. You know, So that's on how WWE decides to present him, and that's very important over the next few years. Does anything um, jump out to you, Matt, that he needs to work on? It depends. If they want to book him as a big man, then he needs to work like a big man, right? He's not coming off his feet. And if he does, then it's got to be, it's got to make sense as to where, when, and why. Um, the one thing that does suck, and it does screw up and throw all that kind of big man psychology out the window, is when you do work a, a top guy, let's say it's Daniel Bryan, who he dwarfs, it should take Daniel Bryan more than just one thing to take, let's say, a Roman Reigns off his feet. And just because a guy is the champion or, let's say, in the John Cena role, if you will, not John himself, but in that role one day, let's say five years from now, if it's not John, and let's say it's somebody smaller than Roman Reigns, it's very important. No matter who he's in that ring with, he stays true to his size, just like Big Show does. It, big, it, it, it shouldn't be because he's seven foot 400 pounds. Me, take me, for example. I should work that same exact style as far as, making people work harder to get me off my feet. It doesn't take away from the story. It just adds to it. And uh, he's got to be very cognizant of that, you know. But, again, if they decide to change that and not book him as a big man, Roman Reigns, but book him as a guy that can just go in a ring, he's super intense, and if that's what it is, he's just super-duper intense, good-looking, badass type of guy, then then he can come off his feet. But it's just very, very important on how he decides to – to set all those type of things up in the story that he's telling at that time. Do you see what I'm saying? Or Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, other question. Uh, Goldberg, yeah. I, I always thought he was cool. I mean, he was on Raw when I was on SmackDown, and my only dealings with him would be, like, at Royal Rumble and uh, Survivor Series when I first started in 03, and then Royal Rumble in 04. Um, and I thought he was cool as hell. I really did. Um, that very well could be because I'm a fan of his growing up, maybe. And you, you, you tend to, you know, uh, change your view on – not change your view, but, but like, have rose-colored glasses, if you will, when talking to somebody. People are like uh, that with Ultimate Warrior. Like, there's a generational thing. If you're Jake Roberts or Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, 
you don't you're just kind of disgusted by ultimate warrior getting a hall of fame honor even as right. painted as the hall of fame is but if you're edge or christian or cm punker to be like oh i want to induct him i want to induct him because he you don't think of him as a person you think of him as a hero that you looked up to or watched when you were a kid and yeah and that may have been the case although i've always heard with goldberg that he was a like a really nice guy like people liked him as a yeah, person but the the, the the issue with him and i think management probably faced it more than anybody is he got a lot handed to him really quick and the perception was is that he didn't really appreciate how hard other people had to work in terms of scratching and clawing and sacrificing for so many more years just to have enough credibility that his beating them meant something. Like, Goldberg got over yeah. because he was beating people who had put in a lot more work than he ever did, and it wasn't that that doesn't happen in wrestling. It does, and that's the reality of it. It's life's not fair, nor is wrestling. But he didn't seem to fully grasp that or, or, have, or appreciate that, and I think that's where he got some heat from veterans that I talked to during that time, combined with right. the fact that management had a chip on their shoulder about anybody that came in from WCW. Yep, my, that, that, that sounds correct. Yeah. That, you're right. What was the third part of the question? I asked about uh, big man moves, little man moves, and you know how you adjusted your style or if you were ever restricted. Oh, good question. The clo- um, God, yeah. I, um, the guy who agent him matches the most would be Art Anderson. Um, the agent that probably helped me the most would be either Art Anderson, Fit Finley. But a majority of my help was also from guys, um, the, the, the wrestlers themselves, like a Kurt Angle or Brock or, or um, you know, Kane or, or the guys like that, Big Schlieven. Um, and when I was young, and this happens to all big guys when we first come in, we want to show how we're different. We want to, show, which is the right thing to do, but the wrong thing to do is to try to do it all within one match. Like I would want to go out there and show how athletic I was by not just sitting there and doing a redundant big man, you know, one-on-one match, if you will, and just doing shoulder tackles and, and stuff that I myself would find boring. So then I know sure as hell the fans are going to think it's boring if I do. Um, but but going back in time, if I could, I definitely would have slowed it down a lot when I first started. But um, you don't know that until everybody can tell it to you till they're blue in the face. You don't recognize it until you start watching yourself a little bit more on TV and realize it, it starts to actually diminish your size, if anything. It works against your size when you start moving around the ring a little bit too quick. Taker is the best example of how to do it the right way because when he hits the ropes, he, he, he attacks the ropes and he shows his athleticism just on something as basic as running the ropes. He's like a freaking gazelle. He really is. He, he really, you don't hear the ring bouncing around. He's light on his feet. When he walks the top rope, that's just one move, but he's so, he looks so athletic doing it. You know, so like he, there's, there's a time and place for everything, but a little story. When I first started in OVW, I was, um, I'd stay after practice and I'd work on stuff that I sucked at and I needed to work on, like punches or whatever. And uh, one day we were like two hours and we were just finishing up and we would bring the crash pad out and the guys that I'd be working in the ring with, like Johnny Jeter and like Mag- uh, the other Magnus actually, went on to play Muhammad Hassan. Um, and guys like that, we'd work out in the ring. And we're just finishing up. We start doing stuff off the top rope to work on, like, you know, cruiserweight type stuff, right? And uh, I, that, was, that was their ride. So I'd hang with them until they were done. So I bet one of them, I forget which, I bet him like 50 bucks I could do a shooting star. So I went up there, and I've already had done this. And um, they just didn't ever saw me do it. So I went up there, and I did it. And then they bet me another 50. I couldn't land it again. So I did it again. In walks Jim Cornette who go, he walks in with uh, Sin, his now wife, and goes, 
what in the bleep? Son, get in my office now. So I go into his office. He goes, what in the hell was that shit? And I go, I was just practicing something. He goes, when the hell do you think you're ever going to whip that out? He goes, maybe at a WrestleMania, but, you know, what in the hell were you thinking? Son, nobody's paying you to be a seven-foot Rey Mysterio, you know, and just blistering me, you know. And uh, that was a great example of, uh, you know, doing something that A, could have gotten me hurt. But, uh, you know, B, when the hell would I really be using that? Because I could never land it on someone. I would kill them. But uh, I never planned to land it on somebody. He didn't stay around to ask to find out what the answer would be because I would never have landed it. I would always try to miss it. But um, whatever. What can you do? <laughs> um, did, did you uh, ultimately think Jim Cornette gave you good advice? Um, definitely, because he, after a while he understood the difference. And he knew what I was trying to do. He's the one who helped me come up with the blueprint character and stuff like that. So, so any time I would do something in there that maybe he would think would be debatable as far as, come on, you know, you're, you're starting to, you know, work against your size here. Uh, but when I start doing things, you know, like a little bit more athletic than I should, you know, I'd say, look, if I'm the blueprint of this business, I'm the blueprint of the perfect giant and the giant 2.0, well, that, that's just, that's no different than Kevin Garnett bringing the ball up the floor at 6'11", 7 foot. Sports evolve. I don't see why wrestling can't. I, I really never understood that. Yeah. You know, if if you were booking me as Andre the Giant and I am just a a a um come on, what's the word I'm looking for? Wait, uh not commodity, but when people pay just to see you once in a blue moon come out. An attraction. Um yeah. an attraction, right? That's a whole different ballgame. But if I'm a guy who's trying to set myself apart from other guys that are six ten, six eleven you know what I mean? I, I I don't see the harm in it, especially the year you know twenty, you know twenty fourteen or or back then at you know two thousand three, if you will, two thousand four. Because sports, basketball, baseball, football, what do we always hear? Bigger, better, stronger, faster, and 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 athletes evolving. Um, I don't see why in wrestling every athlete can evolve, but the big guy doesn't get to. I, I don't understand that. Yeah. No. Good. Good point. Good point. All right, let's uh, take another call here. Area code 310, thanks for holding. Please state your name and where you're from. This is Brendan from Los Angeles. Hey, Brendan, thanks for calling. What have you got for us today? No problem. Uh, first off, uh, wait, i got to correct you. Um, uh, have you seen the front of uh, WWE's magazine this month? Uh, I guess not. Or I think I'd remember. It's okay. Well, I mean, basically, you have a CM Punk pull-out poster that says Team CM Punk, and you have Bautista on the cover. So obviously, and this is a March issue, so they didn't do their job correctly when obviously they were sending this out. The network's been a big deal, so obviously they didn't do their job, right? Because CM Punk is, you're saying Bautista's on the cover or Punk's on the cover? Whose picture? Oh, okay, okay. Bautista's on the cover, but there's a pull-out poster of CM Punk inside. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. And, and it's a straight, it's just a straight poster of CM Punk, which means if he's already been gone for about six weeks, right, or maybe it's four weeks, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I mean, he's already been gone, so why would you uh, do that? I don't know. Sell, sell, sell more magazines? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking about WWE magazine. They're generally they like their publication. Yeah. Listen to me, both of you. They put that out before he was gone. That was already going in there before he was gone. I know a guy used to write for the magazine. They do that years ahead of in advance. All right. Well, well, Matt, I have a couple questions for you as well. I just, uh, I just don't understand it because actually, I don't even subscribe to it. it. Just ended up in my mailbox, and I actually have no <laughs> idea how that happened. But <laughs> literally, uh, Matt, 
I'm going to uh, ask you a couple questions real quick. Um, Matt, who do you want to see go in the Hall of Fame uh, that actually has not, you know, been questioned, any, any kind of things? Who do you want to see go in the Hall of Fame this year? Macho Man. Ran- oh, that that's not man- Macho Man. Oh, okay. Macho Man Randy right, Savage. That's a question. And, uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you did have a match um, probably well before you broke through um, right around, you know, 03 or whatever. But you had a match uh, very sooner than that. It might have been a house show or something like that. But you're a great talent, and uh, I think they kind of dropped the ball with you, um, you know, depending on what was going on, you know, it, it, but uh, any any thoughts on that? Because, I mean, you were there before actually right. broke through. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I, um, You know what it is, though? It, it's it's now that I'm older, a little bit, a little bit, no, I was going to say a little bit wiser, um, but wiser nonetheless. I, uh, you can take a, I take a lot of things away from that. And I was there, I've always said this, timing is everything, right? I was there at a time where John Cena wasn't John Cena yet, right? He was going to be John Cena, but he wasn't quite there yet. He was like U.S. champion level-ish John Cena. And he was going to be groomed to be, you know, I would say like around the same level of Brock and Batista at that time and, and, and Orton as well for that matter. And they had, those are guys that are just like a couple years older than me. You know what I'm saying? And And so... They had, not that's just four guys I just named. There was a whole slew of guys coming out of OVW, me being one of them, that, and you could say, sure, how many of them are 6'11", 300 pounds, Matt? Well, they actually had a lot of big guys that they were just taking, like, piles, like, pieces of, of crap, if you will, and throwing it against the wall and see what would stick. They had that ability back then, and I still to this day think they regret doing that, not with me, with, with all of us with all the guys from my from my group in OVW because those guys should still have jobs and should still be working today and should be super over as stars. Um, that's where that gap in talent, in my opinion, was, that was a cause of the gap in talent um, as far as creating new stars is concerned. And everyone started to notice it. You know, you started to hear more and more from fans and, and even like guys like Wade and, and, and people like that, that, you know, where's the next big thing coming from? Where's the next talent? Like, and we get we rally behind a certain guy, and then boom, they get released. They get pushed for like six months to eight months. They get a little bit over, and then they put them back in the doghouse for whatever reason because Vince likes to build people up and break them back down and see how they handle it before he really sends them off to the races as, their, as his top guy. Well, they're never giving the guy the chance to get through that doghouse part or the part where they built where they break them back down before they build them back up again. They, they weren't giving any of us that opportunity. Um, they were just chicken on the left and right, if you will, because they had the numbers to do what they felt. But I still think it, it haunted them and bit them in the ass to a degree because they were missing, I would say, a three- or five-year span there where there was no new guys coming up. It was the same old, same old for, for quite a few years there at WWE. And now the Daniel Bryans of the world, like the Daniel Bryan should have had a job like back when I did. <laughs> so should have seen him pop. Yeah, yeah, good point. You know what I'm saying? It's yep. insane. Yep. All right, let's take uh, one more call here on the live show, and then we'll move into uh, a few minutes of the VIP after show. I got some notes I wrote down as follow-ups and other topics to cover with Matt. Uh, Area code three four seven. Last call of the day. Thanks for holding. Please state your name and where you're from. Uh, hello, this is Chris from New York. Hey, Chris, what have you got for Matt? Uh, I have uh, two quick questions. The first one is about Dixie Carter. When Dixie Carter 
Nick's comments of maybe we should buy WWE, uh, is she being sarcastic, or does she actually believe that she's actually on the same level with WWE? I think she's surpassed WWE. No, of course she's joking. Of course she's joking. Yeah, she's joking. She's not serious, nor does she really believe that. She's doing a hell of a job with her character on TV, if you believe that. Um, I know she's probably tweeted that or said that or something like that, but uh, she's nothing like that character that you see on TV. She's the polar opposite. I think they're ruining it for a bunch of Dixie haters, but she really is a genuinely good, good, good woman. She really is. I don't work there. They don't send me a dime, so I have no reason to put her over if it wasn't true. Very good. Let me uh, bring Chris back on. We're getting some interference on his phone. So, uh, question number two, Chris, go ahead. Uh, the, the second one is about John Cena. Do you do you see John Cena transitioning into uh, an executive position with WWE because he has stated that he wants to be with that company the rest of his life? That's a hell of a question. I don't. You know what? I don't know John today. I know John back from OVW, and and, and he has a lot of the same qualities that have got him to who he is today. Back then, he had hard working. Loved professional wrestling, loved to talk about it, loved to help guys that were a little bit younger than him even, even if John himself was very limited with what he knew because he was so young too in green. But he was always willing to pass on whatever bit of knowledge he was passed on. When he went on the road, he would come down to OVW and work out with a lot of us in the ring and show what Regal or Finley showed him. And I always thought that was pretty cool of him. And that's, that, that's a sign of a very secure talent that knows you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what's best for this business by giving back to the to the younger guys. You know what I mean? And if he still has that type of approach, I think, hell yeah, how couldn't you put John in, in some sort of office type role? Now, I don't know what what that would entail. I, I don't see John being a creative type guy, but I definitely see John maybe on the training format, maybe some some some, some sort of job like that, where it's around training the younger talents and stuff like that. He, he was always very good at that. Very cool. Well, we're going to now move to the VIP after show portion of the show. If you're not a VIP member, again, the place to go is pwtorch.com slash govip. Uh, Matt, anything that you want to plug at all, uh, personal appearances or Twitter account or anything along those lines before we sign off on the live show? Yeah, real quick, uh, my Twitter address is at BP, that's blueprint, BP, Matt Morgan, at BP, Matt Morgan, as well as um, any of you guys around the Columbus area tomorrow from 12 to 530. I will be signing autographs um, mm -hmm. at the Arnold Classic, booth number 225 for Phoenix Kinetic Cream. Um, it's a great company I've worked with over the years, back when I was wrestling. Helped uh, help me with my little pinch nerve issue I have in my back. Uh, help alleviate that. Great company. But uh, any of you guys around that area or planning on going to the Arnold, stop over. You'll see me, Velvet Sky, Bobby Lashley, and a whole host of others. So uh, definitely swing on by the Arnold Classic if you can. Excellent. Matt, thank you very much for your time today. On the other side of the VIP music, we'll uh, have more conversation with you. All righty. Uh, and I want to ask Matt about uh, Batista being rejected by fans, the WWE Network, and what matches he thinks fans should look, out, uh, look for on the network, including his own matches. A little bit on Lesnar-Taker coming up at WrestleMania 30. Uh, it's 99.99999. They just haven't. I don't think they officially, officially announced it yet, and everybody's got to stay healthy, but that's going to be a good match. And we've got a couple email questions, too, I want to grab. So on the other side of the music, VIP After Show for VIP members. Yeah, Matt? Yep, let's do it. All right. And now 
now we're on the VIP After Show portion of the program. First thing, Matt, is what is going on with the crowd reaction to Batista? Why have fans completely rejected him at this point, and, and do you think he can recover from it or, or parlay it into some money? Oh, I parlay that to heal immediately. You can see he wants to slip on him. You like call, you know. You can see it on his face. You bleeping, ungrateful, bleeping. You can see it written all over his body language. Um, that be again. That's not. It's not something like he shouldn't be blamed for that. I mean, again, that's on WWE. They brought him in during a time when the fans had been extremely loud. The loudest I've ever heard him, quite frankly, about about a certain guy getting what they feel is the shaft in, in Daniel Bryan not being A, the world champion by now, or B, at least being in the Royal Rumble. You know, um, Granted, he was never advertised as far as being in the Royal Rumble, but what a reaction. I mean, have you ever over the years seen a guy that had no, that had no booking, had no – they didn't market this guy whatsoever as to being in a match where the fans still – were so pissed off that said guy was not in this match. I, I, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen that before, Wade, since you've been covering it? No, no, I haven't. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool to see because it's organic and it's real. Anytime you get that, it's fun to watch, right? Yeah. And uh, I think poor Batista fell right in the middle of that and just came back at the wrong time. Again, timing is everything, like I say. And that was the wrong time for Dave. It was the right time as far as, if there was no CM Punk issue, there was no Daniel Bryan, you know, issue at the time, let's say, that would be a perfect time to bring Batista back. He's about to be in this star in this enormous movie that's coming out that's going to make him a hell of a lot of money and even more famous. And it was the right time to bring him back for that as, as far as that's concerned. But uh, as far as what you do with him, obviously you flip him heel. But, again, Randy Orton is definitely no baby face. So um, do you just have heel versus heel? And if you do that, is that really the WrestleMania main event? You know what I mean? I do. Uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think maybe you're right. Maybe if CM, that, that, that 15% chance that CM Bunk comes back, he comes back tomorrow, maybe they throw him in a three-way to help fix that match. And I never, and that's a match that you would never, ever suspect would need, quote-unquote, knees fixing, Dave Batista versus Randy Orton. You know what I mean? But uh, two huge, huge... Um, juggernauts as far in our business you know in professional wrestling so but it just goes to show you the timing really is everything and uh poor batista came back at the wrong time yeah he sure did uh, is it is, is it a case of fans looking at him as somebody who took cm punk's spot as unfair and inaccurate as that is in yeah. certain ways but in other ways had they not signed batista they might have done cm punk as a babyface, winning the rumble and getting a title match against randy orton and winning the title back at at WrestleMania, that, I think fans perceive that, and it's actually it is realistically possible. Let's say Batista blew his arm out in the gym the day before the Rumble. They probably would have augmented the, their plans, moved Daniel Bryan or CM Punk into the match against Orton, and the other one would have been against Triple H. Yeah, a lot of things would have to happen for that to happen, though. Um, like you said, uh, um, you know, speculating, but uh, I just again, I just think wrong place, wrong time. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, from uh, the perspective of Dave Batista, I talked to Bob Holly about this when he was on the show uh, earlier this month. Uh, d- do you think he's on a personal level hurt by this, or just kind of laughing it off like, "Well, it's just wrestling"? No, I, I, Dave. I, I know Dave enough to know that he, he, he. I guarantee you, he is. You know, what I, mean? I don't think he's home crying about it. Yeah. But I bet you, it's like what I said earlier. I bet you, it's like, geez, I've been along all this time. I decided to come back. Instead of never coming back, 
you know, and, and this is how y'all, this is how you guys treat me, yeah. you know. All those letters, all those tweet, all those tweets, I, I I answer back to all you guys saying how much you missed me, <laughs> and you know, and to play along the story, how about I'll never come back just because I know I am coming back to make the surprise better for you guys. I don't come out and tell it to you all right away, and then here I come back, and this is how you pay, this is how you respond, you know, you know, and I could see him being hurt from that, but again, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he definitely laughs about it a little bit, but. I think it's got to be to the point where, sure, he's hurt a little bit. I don't think he's sitting there crying over, you know, a cup of friggin' Campbell's soup or something, you know, sniveling, but uh, I definitely think he's a little hurt by it. Sure, that's, that's, that's human, Nathan. That's natural. He wouldn't be human if he was. It doesn't make him any less of a professional. It makes him human. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think we'll hear some of that on SmackDown tonight. You know, we'll, we'll, that's his, uh, you know, he's got a promo where he's going to tell the fans what he really thinks, so. We'll get to hear him kind of try to, again, parlay this into money, you know, take a reaction that he wasn't expecting and try to own it yeah. and, and turn it into something. Yeah, I hope so. He's a good guy, actually. David is a good guy. Uh, up next, WWE Network, Matt. Uh, what matches uh, are on, what pay-per-view match are you most proud of that fans should seek out? With WWE? Uh, yeah, probably, it has to be. Very- Probably my first, my uh, um, what was it Survivor Series, uh, Team yeah. Lesnar versus Team Angle. I was nervous as as can be, and uh, went out there and did, did had a, did a very good job for a guy in my boots at that stage in the game. So early in my career, I was like eight months in at the time total. Uh, first learning how to wrestle to be thrown out there, but uh, definitely that probably uh, yeah Survivor Series. Well, Rumble really doesn't count because that's just a friggin' battle royal, but. Survivor Series, I'd say. How, how many pay-per-views are we on with WWE? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I, I don't even remember. I think not many, obviously. Maybe yeah. like three, or, three or four, maybe. Tops. Yeah, yeah. But it'd be cool maybe. for people who have followed your TNA career, especially to go back and take a look at at uh, what you did back then. Um, are you? Uh, were you excited about the network? And and as a wrestling fan, did you uh, think, hey, I'm going to subscribe to this network and, and rewatch some old pay-per-views? Absolutely, dude. I got it. I didn't get it the first night just because I read about everybody, you know, certain people getting it, having issues about ordering it or whatever. So yeah. I waited until uh, you know a few days until you know they said they were making fixes, you know, fixing it up and things like that. So I didn't just waste money on it or time on it. But uh, yeah, I definitely got. It. I just got it yesterday actually, and it's cool. very addicting. What's, what's the first thing you watched? Uh, ECW Heat Wave. Ah, uh, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker. Your thoughts on that matchup? Um, Taker's overall like physical condition, being in there with Brock. Are you worried at all, or is is uh, Brock a safe guy to work with? No, Brock is a safe guy to work with. He's perfectly safe. He's as athletic as they come, and he's you. You can see how professional he is. I mean, you saw him selling Taker. If he was oh, a guy yeah. that one of the, if he was going to the business for himself, what you saw on Monday night. Okay, would not have occurred. Trust me. Now, I'm not talking about the, like the physicality part, but his facials on how he sold Taker. You know, like trying to like bow himself up, try to make himself tougher because he's really scared. Like he did a good, really good job of of, of portraying that. I thought actually, yeah, um, that was really well done on his part. I don't think he does any of that because he doesn't care to do any of that. If he's looking to go into this and say, you know, f you Taker, and then try to hurt him, you know what I mean? I think he's. He'll take care of him just fine. And, again, I don't think Undertaker, who can call any shot he chooses, because he's the Undertaker and he deserves to, um, 
signs on for this match, period, if there's any kind of qualm or any kind of debate of that happening to him. Yeah. Yeah, wow. plus Taker can take care of himself. Taker's not like some some cream pop. Taker, Taker's one tough SOB. He's real tough. He's one of the toughest. You can handle cool. just fine in that rank, trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go to an email question. This is from uh, Scott. This is a little related to the John Cena question. He says, first, congrats on the birth of your son. Have you ever thought about writing a book about wrestling or having a non-wrestling position in wrestling, like management, creative, or corporate position? And do you think the door is shut on a possible return to the ring? You know, you, know, you don't want to hear this. No fan wants to hear this because we get annoyed. As a, I know I do when I was a fan, and I hear this as the answer. Never say never. But... Uh, it, it's, it's a weak answer, I know. But I never, I don't want to ever paint myself into a corner that I can't come back out of one day if, if, if when I need to. Right. You know what I'm saying? Who knows what happens? What I'm doing right now with my job, um, I love it. I have fun doing it. Um, I'm proud of doing it. Um, I love coming home and seeing my kid, most importantly, every single night. You know, that's hard to beat. You know, like I said, if there's some sort of wrestling schedule out there that gets me home to see my kid, um, better than three to five days a week, you know, that, that's something to, to definitely talk about. But, um, you know, that's just not that's just not in the cards, I don't think. I don't that, – that's the way it works. You know, if TNA becomes more and more successful, they're going to have more days on the road. And I hope they do because they deserve it. But, um, you know, I just think that's in the cards. If it is, then cool. I'd love to do it. But, uh, again, I don't want to paint myself into a certain corner where uh, – Matt, remember you said that you would never be back and you would never do this again. You're a liar. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that guy either. So, you don't really – that's why I think a lot of guys, they never say never. They're not trying to avoid the question. They just don't want to lie to the fan because they themselves don't know that answer, which I really don't. You know, yeah. who knows? I mean, if you told me two years ago I'd be doing this, I would think you're crazy. You know, I love pro wrestling, and i give you this long dissertation as to how much I love pro wrestling and all the passion I have for it. But, you know, circumstances change. They just do. And that's what changes people's motives and minds and, and all that stuff. You know, it's wild how life works. It really is. But, um, you know, that, what, was it, what else did you ask? Uh, like management, uh, creative, corporate. Would you work for WWE on a corporate level? Um, yeah, it would depend on as to what that is. Um, again, it would it'd have to be something that I can you know, afford to do, you know, financially. It had to be something that... I could, you know, that would be worth it to my family financially, obviously. I'm not going to, you know, I don't know what trainers make or anything like that, but I don't, again, is that something that I can hang my hat on financially like the job I have today? I, I doubt it, you know, but for, like, fun type of job, hell yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun as hell. That would be something I'd be very good at, and I'd have a lot of passion to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'm still a fan of this. I love wrestling. Yep. Um all right, uh, this is a uh, offbeat question. Um, Holly wants to know any early predictions for the NCAA bra- basketball brackets. Oh boy, God, talk about off guard here. I thought <laughs> I was this interview to that question. Shoot, um, I do not see Syracuse going as far as people do. Um, I like Kentucky. I like Kentucky. As, I'm not going to fill out the bracket for it. It's impossible, but yeah, I, I like Kentucky this year a little bit as. as don't want to call it an upset, but I see them going pretty far. And uh, final question for you is uh, Hulk Hogan's return. Uh, you were with him in TNA. Um, yep. How do you think – take us inside his mindset in terms of coming back like he did on Monday in Green Bay on Raw, getting being in that big building with a big production, back home in WWE. 
what do you think was going through his head, and, and do you think this is a good place for him to land at this point? He was ecstatic. He was so pumped. I texted him actually that day, um, like a few hours before that happened. And I was like, hey, I just want to give you a pre-congratulations. And he was like, for what? I go, for that pop that I guarantee you blows the roof off that freaking building. That's going to be really cool to watch. You deserve it. Congrats, you know. And uh, he did. He he was he was he looked really good actually, didn't he? He was moving pretty damn well. I thought. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if he could move good, he was going to be moving good for that right. that night. Yeah, it's funny what adrenaline does, you know. Yeah. But uh, he, he looked great, and um, again, what a hero's welcome to the babe. You know, it gets over said, not over said, but it gets said a lot. The babe is a pro and He really is. And uh, that's where he belongs. Yeah. Where, where do you think your storyline would have gone had you stayed with TNA and gotten the full-fledged push uh, yeah. that they kind of had in motion? I'd retire Sting, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I, that's the only thing I could think of, just because it, that, that's who I was supposed to be working for the next three to four, not three to four months. Yeah, actually three to four months. Interesting, yeah. Um, it was going to be one of those double-layer type storylines where Sting's doing the main event mafia thing, with Magnus and Joe and Kurt, I think it was, and then me still trying to screw with Sting kind of thing. But uh, I would never have wrestled Hulk. There was just no way that Hulk was ever going to be able to wrestle. That was just him incorporating himself and doing, you know, a guy that he saw a lot of potential in, yeah. and me trying to do me a solid by, you know, telling creative, you know, listen, if this is the best you've got for him, at least put me out there with him, and we at least do something together. Yeah. You know? And God bless him for that, at least. You know, at least standing up and doing something for me on my behalf. Uh, any, uh, fun, any regrets? Uh, do you have a biggest regret for what you didn't accomplish or didn't have a chance to do in wrestling? Uh, not becoming a champion, but again, how much is that? I mean, I'll take the heat or blame on anything that I've not accomplished just because as an athlete, you're used to doing that, right? Yeah. But wrestling's different as, as far as that goes. It's like I said earlier about Daniel Bryan. It's not just about being... Uh, ready in the ring as far as a wrestler is concerned. It's not about being ready on the mic. It's not about ready to be a champion as far as the fans being ready for you. Those are the three things that should be the most important thing. Yeah. But it's just not. You have to have someone in that office or that's your main guy that wants you to be there. Yeah. And that's the fourth part of that equation or that formula for a guy to finally become a champion who was not handpicked by Vince McMahon to become a, hand champion, uh, a world champion, if you will. And that goes for any company. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, that's well, not, that, again, that's something that's out of my control. Well, Matt, uh, this probably uh, wraps it up for me. Uh, we, the hour and a half just blew by. You made this easy for me, so I appreciate that very much. And, what do you mean? Uh, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. What do you mean? What do you mean? This wraps it up for me. Am I just supposed to take over the next three hours of the show? <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm signing off, and uh, you're just going to have to do a monologue. <laughs> so I hope you prepared. I sent you that, that. That I think I sent that text telling you to prepare for this. I would feel miserably. Hey, good, <laughs> hey, congratulations on. Uh, did you say fourteen hundred? Fourteen hundred straight days. Although I gotta, get, I gotta still do it yet, yet today. But it'll be fourteen hundred straight days of the Keller Hotline without a break. Hey, sincerely, congratulations. That is no small feat, I am sure. Congrats, man. I'm sure there's tons of days where you would have liked to have, you know, been with your family or, or something circumstantial coming up and you still putting the the fans first. So these fans got a great site to subscribe to, and they got a guy that obviously, as we can see, you know, who uh, rain, sleet, or snow is doing what he's got to do to give the fans the best on this site. So uh, congrats to you, man. Thank you, Matt. Really appreciate it. we got to have you back on again, too, and, and uh, dive into current events and, and whatever. It's just always fun when you're on. 
Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. And thanks to all the VIP members. Wade Keller on behalf of Matt Morgan, signing off. Thank you.